uh, we're, we're starting this series called Blessed. And uh, how many of you know that's probably a word that you want to define your life? Blessed. Anybody? Like three of you? Awesome. Some of y'all are too stressed. <laughs> but I'm believing after this series, uh, we're going to get a deeper understanding of what it means to be blessed. And I'm honored to add a, a layer to it. If you have a Bible, would you wave it in the air like I just do care? Let me see it. You got a Bible with you in the house? Amen. Some of your Bibles are glowing. That works. <laughs> Amen. If you don't have a Bible, here's what you have permission to do after service. Go to the nearest hotel. <laughs> Second drawer on the right. Just steal you a Gideon. Amen. <laughs> you need the word of God. If you have a Bible, go to Genesis chapter 5. And I want to look at verses 1 through 2. And then uh, also Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 through 2, and also Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7. Genesis right at the beginning. Amen. First book of the Bible. <laughs> Just trying to help you out. Uh, says, this is the written account of the descendants of Adam. When God created human beings, he made them to be like himself. He created them male and female, and he blessed them and called them human. Real quick, Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. Some versions actually say the dirt of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. And the man became a living person. Can you say amen? I want to preach uh, this afternoon for about five hours <laughs> using as a subject a buried blessing. A buried blessing. Would you do me a favor? Look at the person next to you. I want you to get in their face, get in their personal space, get in their grill. And uh, <laughs> say neighbor. Oh, come on. Tell them neighbor. Stop looking outside of you. There's a buried blessing within you. Oh, that neighbor was stuck up. They didn't even want to talk to you. I saw him. I saw him. Yep. Look at somebody else. Look at somebody else. Say, other neighbor, believe me when I tell you, there is a buried blessing on the inside of you. If you're expecting God to speak to you, would you give him some praise in here today? Let's pray before we go into this word. Father, thank you for the opportunity to declare your word. God, I stand here today cognizant of the fact that the grass withers, the flower fades, but your word shall stand forever. God, I pray your spirit would saturate this place from center to circumference. And God, when we leave here, let us say it was so good to have been in the house of the Lord. Somebody loves Jesus. Say amen. amen. Say amen again. Amen. Uh, People's Church. 20 plus years ago, if you came to a sanctuary and you were looking for me, you would not find me behind a pulpit promulgating the gospel of Jesus Christ. But rather, you would find me in a kid's church Sunday school room, standing on top of a chair with my mini afro, singing a song at the top of my lungs that we sang every single Sunday. The song went a little bit like this, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand upon the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Then you had to shout. 
See, right here and in the back, y'all went to Sunday school. Y'all know the song. It was intriguing to me that what began as a cute song as a kid has now transcended to a core belief. Because I truly do stand upon the word of God. I am obsessed with the word of God. It is the hinge upon which my faith has its mobility. It is the irreducible substantive essence of what it means to know who God is. To those those of you who think that book you're holding is some old, antiquated, boring book that doesn't relate to your life, you have lost your mind. That's the only book that's still breathing. It's the only book that still has power. It's the only book that is still alive. It is the only book that was written in antiquity, but yet it can hit the specificity of your life and challenge you right where you are. I love the word of God. It makes my right toe tingle because the word of God is like steroids for my spirit. It it fortifies me. It builds me up and it lets me know who I am and whose I am. However, there's one parcel of scripture that when I read it, it, it did not fortify me. Uh, It didn't build me up, nor did it enhance my self-worth or my self-esteem. We read it this morning. The Bible declares in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, that God created man from the very dirt of the earth. Just uh, let that bless you for a minute there. If you're ever tempted to be saved and stuck up, or to be anointed and arrogant and think you all that in a can of Pringles. Um, it, it would behoove you to read Genesis chapter 2 of verse 7 because the Bible is clear. You did not come from some celestial substance. You came from nothing but dirt. Interesting to consider that every person in this room, irrespective of your social status, how much money in the bank you have, how cute you are, you know, hair done, nail done, everything done, you fancy, huh? Uh, Irrespective of all that, you came from absolutely nothing but dirt. As a matter of fact, do me a favor. Look at the person to your left. Look at them real good. Look at the person to your left. Look at the person to your right. Look at them real good. Look at the person behind you uh and in front of you. Okay. Every person that you looked at, according to the word of God, is a dirt bag. I'm just keeping it scriptural. Nothing but a dirt. Because you came from nothing but dirt. And it's, it's funny to consider all the things we do for our dirt. I mean, come on, you got up this morning and you washed your dirt. You put deodorant on your dirt, I hope. You put deodorant on your dirt. Ladies, the money you spend on your dirt, you get your dirt manicured and pedicured. Some of you tan your dirt. All the money that is spent on dirt. In fact, billions of dollars are spent in this country on dirt surgery. Oh, yeah, you can get dirt suction. You can get a dirt lift, whatever you want. They they can do it. Okay, some of you need a visual. I need to help you. This is third service. Uh, This is dirt. Nothing special about this. I don't think we messed up the people's church budget with getting this dirt. I think it's about a dollar and three cents. This is dirt. And I had issues with coming from dirt because how many know dirt has never had a positive connotation in society? We say things like, oh, you need to go take a shower. You're dirty. We say things like, you better watch your mouth. You got a dirty mouth. But yet that's where we came from. And I had issues with this because I understand the handiwork of the God that we serve. How many know God does everything with beauty and with splendor? 
splendor and with excellence. Oh, come on. If you've seen a sunset, you've seen the handiwork of God. If you've seen a waterfall as it cascades down a mountain, you have seen the craftsmanship of the God that you serve. He does everything with beauty and glory and splendor. But yet when he got ready to create you and I, his prized possession, the one he would send his only son to die on a cross for, of all the things he could have used, he said, let's use Oh, I was mad. I was mad. I said, hold on, God. The streets in heaven, the streets get gold, but we get dirt. That's messed up. Why in the world would you use dirt? And then all of a sudden, God said, don't get mad. (laughs) Get glad. Uh, He started revealing to me the revelation that is encapsulated within the creation process. See, since the beginning of time, God has been showing us something about his character and about his attributes. And you ought to praise God this morning. Hear me. Because you serve a God who is holy, but he's not afraid to work with things that are dirty. You serve a God who is awesome, but yet he will work with things that are awful. You serve a God who is magnificent, but yet he maneuvers in things that are mundane. And I want to thank God that in a culture where everybody's trying to stay clean and says, get that dirty situation away from me, God says, no, bring that dirt to me. And that situation you think is too dirty and too messed up, I'll put my hands on that situation and I'll breathe in it and it'll become a living soul and a living being. Come on, somebody ought to thank God that that he works with dirty, messed up situations. Only God can take a great mess and turn it into greatness. He works with dirt. See, if you're stuck up, you can't thank God for that. But come on, if you know you got issues, and some of you know your issues got issues, you ought to thank God that he is not intimidated by dirty situations, but he can make a blessing out of something that's not beautiful, he works with dirt. Can I take you deeper? Uh, hear me. Understand that dirt is the only environment that is conducive for a seed. <laughs> you, you can't put a seed in gold. You cannot put a seed uh, in a diamond. But if you have some dirt, the gardener can put a seed in it and watch it grow into something that it was not before it went in. And I want to submit to you this morning, this afternoon rather, that God is a great gardener. And although you came from dirt, there is a seed, a buried blessing on the inside of you. And that buried blessing is a gift. Hear me, there is a gift on the inside of you that God has put in you before the foundation of the earth. And you owe it to God and to yourself to find out what that buried blessing is. There is a gift on the inside of you. Look at somebody say, there's something in me. Look at them and tell them, there's something, there's something, a buried blessing in me. Maybe this is why the Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that it is Christ that is in me, that is the hope of glory. I I love what uh, the Apostle Paul says to his spiritual son, Timothy. He writes in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. He says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He's saying, Timothy, there's a buried blessing on the inside of you, but you have to stir it up. It's in you, but you got to stir it up. Uh, See, that text by itself is good, but the thing I really love about it is the historical context of the text. Uh, Because scholars and theologians are unanimous in their declaration that 2 Timothy is actually the last thing the Apostle Paul wrote. 
irrespective of the sequential order of the Pauline epistles, 2 Timothy is the last thing Paul wrote. So whenever you read 2 Timothy, you are privileged to eavesdrop into the psychology of a man who knows that his life is about to end. Why is that important, Robert? That's important because there's something about a consciousness of death that will clarify what's really important in your life. Oh, come on, somebody. If somebody told you today that you had five hours to live, how many know going to Cracker Barrel after service wouldn't be that important to you? Come on, you would want everything that you did to carry great weight and significance because you would be fully aware that you are running out of time. So I find it intriguing of all the things the Apostle Paul could have written about. He feels the need in the last moments of his life to tell Timothy, hey, stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. There's a buried blessing. You just have to stir it up. Why in the world would Paul do that? He's doing that because ultimately that is all that life is about. What did you do with your gift? Hear me, when you get to heaven, God's not going to ask you were you a Democrat or a Republican. He's not going to ask you what denomination you were with. He's going to ask you what did you do with the dream? What did you do with the blessing? What did you do with the favor that I put on your life? Are you exhaling what I inhaled inside of you before the foundation of the earth? And I'll be honest with you this afternoon, there's... A few things I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of dogs. Yeah, I had a bad childhood experience. I don't, I don't do dogs. I'm afraid of heights. You'll never catch this chocolate brother bungee jumping or skydiving. I don't even think that's biblical. Come on, somebody. God said, lo, I am with you always. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm scared of snakes. I don't even care if it's on your purse or your shoes. I don't watch the Discovery Channel. I'm scared of snakes. But above heights and dogs and snakes, do you know what I'm really afraid of? I'm afraid that when I get to heaven, God will flash up on a screen all the things that I did for him. And that he'll flash up on another screen all the things that I could have done with the blessing and the gifts that were in me. And what I did will dim in comparison to what I could have done. I've got to stir up the gift of God, the buried blessing. You've got to stir it up. I love what one writer said. He says, the tragedy of life is not death, but rather what we let die inside of us while we yet live. There is a buried blessing in you, and I wonder, do you know what it is? You've got to stir it up. Look at somebody and say, stir it up. If you go... Uh, if you go to my parents' house in Dallas, Texas, and, and you look in the backyard, you'll see this huge peach tree there. And uh, the way that peach tree got there is when I was a kid, I loved peaches. I still love peaches today. And one day I was eating this peach, and I get down to the seed, and uh, being the precocious kid that I was, I went to my father and I said, Dad, what is this? And uh, before I tell you how my father responded, uh, it's an urgent imperative to let you know that I am African-American. Did you know that? I don't want that to slip by you. Uh, I'm African-American. I'm probably the realest African-American you'll ever see in your entire life. I know some people say they are. I'm like one for real, for real. Let me explain why. My father is from Nigeria. Uh, he pulled an Eddie Murphy, came to America, and, uh, <laughs> and met my mom, who's American. So when your father's African and your mom's American, that makes you, y'all are smart here in the third service, I'm African-American. And so my father's African, he still talks African. So when I went to my father and said, Dad, what is this? My father said, son, that is the seed. I said, really? He said, son, do you know that if you go take that seed uh, and you plant it in the ground, a peach tree will come up? I said, no, uh daddy. He said, son, it is true. It is very true. So uh, <laughs> my father and I, true story, we go to the backyard. 
we plant this peach seed. Now, I am so excited about my peach tree. I'm going to school the next day saying, I'm have a peach tree. I'm have a peach tree. You can have some of my peaches. You are hating on me. You can't have none of my peaches. I am so elated about this peach tree. The next day, next day, I go outside to check on my peaches. And to my shock, there's no peach tree. I said, maybe it needs a day. I went the next day, no peach tree. Next day, no peach tree. Fourth day, no peach tree. By the seventh day, I don't even want to go outside anymore. I am inside my house. My nose is pressed up against the window pane. Tears are coming down my face. I wish I had a violin. This was sad. Tears are coming down my face because I don't have a peach tree. My father comes in and says, what is wrong with you? I said, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. You ain't nothing but a liar. You're just a big liar. He said, I was going to have a peach tree. There's no peach tree. Don't talk to me, liar. Side note, if your father is African, do not call him a liar, okay? <laughs> Discipline is high on Africans' priority list. Are you calling me a liar? Are you calling your father a liar? Look, I brought you in this world, and I will take you out. Where's my spear? Boy, don't you ever... Okay, Dad. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, you're not a liar, but, but you said I was going to have a peach tree, and there's no peach tree. He said, come here, boy. Went outside. He said, had you done anything to this since we planted it? I said, no, I haven't done anything. He said, son, listen to me. Every day you come home from school, go and get that water hose and water the seed. Stop crying like a little baby and go and get the water hose and water the seed. I hope somebody sees where I'm going with this in here today. Because there are so many believers who have their nose pressed up against the window pane of your life. And you think your heavenly father lied about the promise and the blessing that was going to manifest in your life. And God's saying, I didn't lie. You just got to do something. You got to stir up the gift that I put on the inside of you and as soon as you stir it up you'll see something that eyes have not seen ears have not heard but you gotta stir it up oh come on somebody that's got some faith would you say stir it up oh come on stir past fear stir past low self esteem stir past worry and doubt some of you need to stir past your past how many know God wants to do something new in your life somebody say stir it up Oh, and once you begin to stir it up, you see, wait a minute. Hold on. Well, look at there. Once you stir it up, you see, there was a buried blessing on the inside of me. It's so good, I'm going to watch this later. There is a buried blessing on the inside of me. I just had to stir it up. Ooh, you've been looking on the outside. You need to look on the inside and see what has he buried on the inside of you. Do you know what I love about that illustration? Is none of you knew that was in there. Except for me. You know why? Because I'm the one that put it in there. That's why I really get excited when my haters come to me and say, you know, I don't really see you doing that. I don't really see that happening in your life. I say, of course you don't see anything. You didn't put anything in me. But there is a God in heaven that put something in me. And as soon as I stir it up, ah, you're going to see I have a buried blessing that is a gift. Just as I'm holding this gift, every single person, every single person. Every er, single person in this room has a gift, a buried blessing that 
you have to find out what it is. There's an African proverb that says there are two important days in your life. Not the day you're born and the day you die, but rather the day you're born and the day you find out why you were born. That is the day you unbury your blessing that he put on the inside of you. And I wonder, do you know what it is? Because you've got something. Everybody has something. Some of you can sing like your worship team. How many know you got a phenomenal worship team? Come on, somebody. They can sing. They're blessed to do that. Now, some of you can't. You need a lip sync for the glory of God. But you got something. Come on. Some, some of you, you're great business leaders or you've got athletic ability, but you've got something. Some of you, your personality is a gift. That's what you've been blessed with, your personality. You ever meet those people that come around, you're like, man, I just feel better every time she comes around. Some of you just want to be, need to be blessed and use your gift to smile. I wish somebody would start a smiling ministry. What do you do? I smile for the Lord. I'm, I feel like churches would triple in size if everybody would just smile when people came in. Instead of looking like you constipated and like Shrek 3, why don't you just smile? Even if they're not on your teeth, smile. You could be blessed to do that. You've got a gift. You've got something to offer. What is it? Some of you, you're just blessed because you look good. That's a gift. Not everybody has it. I'm not everybody. <laughs> Come on. The Bible is clear. Some of us are wonderfully. Some of us are fearfully made. Not everybody has <laughs> I'm playing. I'm joking. You're beautiful. <laughs> you got something. What is your gift? Find out what the buried blessing is. Now, I, I could end this sermon right there. That would be a good sermon. Stir it up. See the buried blessing and, and call it a day. But the reality is I can't stop there because the day you unbury the blessing of the gift, how many know that's the day all hell will break loose in your life? Because <laughs> if there's anybody the enemy hates, he hates people who know what they have been blessed and gifted to do. He cannot stand those people. I'm telling you, get ready. Once you identify the blessing of the gift, get ready for all hell to put laser beams on your forehead because he cannot stand people. In fact, I would argue that the greater your blessing, the greater your attack and your burden. Because the enemy doesn't like it. Please understand that they did not crucify Jesus just because he claimed to be the Messiah. They crucified him because he was gifted. There was a lot of people during that time period that had risen up and said, I am the Christ. Come on, we got some cuckoo people today who are saying, I'm the Christ. Jesus wasn't the first one, but he said, I am the Christ, and started healing blinded eyes. He said, I am the Christ, and started casting out demons. He said, I am the Christ, and took two fish and five loaves, and multiplied it, and made the first red lobster. Come on. He said, I am the Christ, and started healing people, and delivering people. And when he got done working his gift, they said, oh, he the Christ. He the Christ. We got to kill him. The enemy's saying the same thing about you. How can I destroy you? Hear me. There's a buried blessing that is a gift. And hear me, there are three entities that are after your gift. Every person has a buried blessing that is a gift. And there are three entities that are after it. First of all, God wants your gift. The enemy wants your gift. And other people want your gift. God wants your gift. The enemy wants your gift. And other people want your gift. Hear me, now God wants your gift because he's the one that gave it to you. And just like anybody would want a return on their investment, how many know God wants a return on what he invested in your life? But here's what I love about God. He put the gift in you, buried it, because he knows everything about you. He knows your ability to handle the gift, 
knew the time period you would be born in, knew your personality for the gift. I, I say all the time I have this friend in business and we talk and, and he doesn't see how in the world I travel across the nation standing in front of people preaching and teaching. He said, man, if I had to stand in front of people, I would need an oxygen tank. My knees would be knocking. I would throw up and pass out. I don't see how you do that, Robert. And I look at him and say, I don't see how in the world you stay in a cubicle looking for $3.75 on a spreadsheet. If that was me, they would find me swinging from the ceiling fan by my tie because I'm not gifted to do that. He's not gifted to do this, but there's something God has gifted you to do. And he says, when you bring it to me, I will show you the environment that you were meant to thrive in. See, I call it the Nemo theory. If you take Nemo out the water, you will think he is the dumbest animal ever created. Because he'll be flopping and going crazy, but you put Nemo in some water, the genius of Nemo will come into effect because there's an environment that his gift was made to thrive in. It's Disneyology right there. Um, God wants your gift. The enemy wants your gift. And here's how the enemy wants your gift. The enemy wants you to use your gift just for you. See, people think that when you're being used by the enemy that, you know, you walk around with bloodshot eyes and you're wearing all black and you talk like this. That's actually not what the enemy wants. He just wants you to do you. He wants the blessing God gives to you to stay with you. When in actuality, the blessing that God gives to you, he gives it to you to get it through you to be a blessing to somebody else. But the enemy says, no, just use your blessing and your gift for you. I told him in the previous services, what would people's church look like if every person was using their gift at its optimum potential for the kingdom of God? What would this church look like? You would have to have more than four services. You would have to have 40 services in here if every person was using their gift at its optimum level for the kingdom of God. But the trick of the enemy is to say, use your gift for you rather than giving it to the sender who gave it to you. Then other people want your gift. Now, God wanted my gift. That's a good thing, right? The enemy wanted my gift. That's a bad thing, right? Well, come on, PC kids, PC kids could tell us that. God gift, good. Devil gift, uh, bad. But other people wanted my gift. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because other people want your gift. Gifts are attractive. Only problem is when other people get your gift and come into relationship with you or friendship or marriage or business partnership, whatever it is, how many know people don't just get your gift? They also get your dirt. And people can handle your gift, but not a whole lot of people can handle your dirt. Oh, I just lost everybody right there. See, you were so excited. Mm, yes, I got a gift. I'm the head and not the tail. Yes, Lord, I'm blessed. But can I tell you, you got a blessed, but you also got some mess, too, that you are still working on. Everybody has a gift, but everybody has some dirt. And the dirt is what causes the problem. The dirt is the burden to the blessing. See, my gift causes me to walk in great power, but my dirt causes me problems. My gift has to do with my charisma, but my dirt has to do with my character. And most of us in the room are going, how in the world do I balance my blessing and the thing that causes me such burden? That's, that's what we're asking. How do I balance the two? And you know what most of us do in an effort to compensate for the burden? burden we just show the blessing. And try to hide our dirt. This is how most people you meet. This is how they come to you. Hello, how are you? This is how most people come to church. Hello. Praise God. Kathy and I are so delighted to be here today. Great church. How am I blessed? Oh, that's the series. Praise God. 
That's how you go. But in the car, if you say one more word to me, I promise I will slap you into next week. But when you came in here, you said, praise God, we're so glad to be here. It's that we're trying to hide the dirt. That's why I say, you know, I'm going to give some good marriage advice. I've been married three weeks so I can give some advice. Um, This is why dating is hard because in the dating process, you just deal with the gift. But as soon as you say, I do, you go, what in the world? You didn't say this on the first date. You didn't say this. That's why in our ceremony, I almost didn't say I do. I almost said I dirt, I dirt. I take all of her dirt. Going, how in the world? Do I balance the blessing, balance the burden? I submit to you, when you read the Bible, all we get are vivid snapshots of people who had great blessing and also a burden. Don't you love that the Bible keeps it real? It gives you like the TMZ National Enquirer version. Because I'm telling you, you see people with great blessing but also burden. People like David, blessed. Walked right up to Goliath. Say, player, now, now, you're going to talk about my God in front of everybody? Now I ain't going to be quiet. Where's my sling? About to jack you up, man. You haven't read that version, have you? (laughs) That's the NIV Negro International version. Um, David, he was blessed. He was a worshiper and a warrior. We still sing some of David's songs. Incredibly blessed, but he also had some dirt had a burden because that same David sends a text message to Bathsheba one day. Says, hey girl, I saw you on the rooftop. I think you could come over tonight. Smiley face. That was his dirt. Moses, bless, walk right into Pharaoh's court. Kick the door, cut the music off, Pharaoh. stuttering problem. Let my let my we want to leave. We want to leave. Sick of this. Moses was blessed. Say Moses murdered a man trying to accomplish the plan of God in his own strength. Could give you person after person. And all of us, if we're truly honest, I don't care how spiritual you are, we could have floated in here and had manna for breakfast. All of us have a blessing and a burden that we're trying to handle. Do you know why most of us have problems handling it? It's because we're trying to handle it. See, the whole time I've been struggling trying to preach because I've been trying to hold this dirt and hold this gift and hold this microphone, and that's why I've been struggling. But if I would ever just take the blessing and the burden and get it out of my hands, how many know there's freedom and there's a liberty? And that's what God is telling you to do. If you would get it out of your hands and put it in the hands of somebody who created the universe, that's when you'll walk in the blessed life. But you got to get it out of your hands. Hear me. 
Life is predicated upon whose hands you're going to put something in. Come on, if you take a basketball and you put it in my hands, it's worth about $20. You put that same basketball in the hands of a young man named Kevin Durant, it's worth a couple million dollars because it all depends on whose hands you're going to put something in. Come on, if you take a tennis racket and put it in my hands, I will squat mosquitoes. But you put that same tennis racket in the hand of Venus or Serena Williams, you got some Wimbledon championships because it all depends depends on whose hands you're going to put something in. If you take some paint and a paintbrush and you put it in my hands, I will paint you some beautiful stick figures. But you put that same paint and paintbrush and put it in the hands of somebody named Leonardo da Vinci, how many know you got a masterpiece that will take your breath away because it all depends on whose hands you're going to put something in. Come on, if you take some black and white piano keys and put it in my hands, you will run out of the sanctuary and cover your ears. But you take the same black and white piano keys and you put it in his hands you got beautiful music playing behind me that's telling me i need to hurry up and shut this sermon down because it all depends on whose hands you're gonna put something in come on that's too secular let me make it spiritual if you take a slingshot and put it in my hands i can't hit the backside of a barn but you put that same slingshot in david's hands a giant will come down and he'll cut his head off and the people of god will get the victory because it all depends on whose hands you're going to put it in. Come on, if you put a staff in my hands, I will shoo away a dog. But you put it in Moses' hands, a Red Sea will split and people will walk out of slavery into the promised land because it all depends on whose hands you're going to put it in. Come on, if you take a hammer and some nails and wood and you put it in my hands, I will build you an ugly birdhouse. But you take the same hammer, the same nails, the same wood, and put it in the hands of somebody named Jesus. How many know you got healing? You got peace? You got joy? You got deliverance? You got strength? You got life? You got victory? You got freedom? You got every single thing? That you need. You got to get it out of your hands. When you get it out of your hands, feel his presence in here. You can have victory. You can have liberty and freedom. But not while it's in your hands. God today sent me all the way from Dallas, Texas to tell you to take the blessing and the burden Put it in his hands. There's an old school song that says he's got the whole world in his hands. When you put it in his hands, that's when you'll live the blessed life. Amen. Somebody give God some praise in this place today. Oh, come on and give him some praise. Come on and give him a real praise in this place today. You want to praise him like you're going to put it out of your hands. You want to praise him like you're going to trust him. You want to praise him like you know there's something that was on the inside of you. And you're saying, God, I'm coming alive. I'm awakening to the blessing that you put in me. I want to pray with you. Would you bow your heads with me, Father?